Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello, and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today is episode number 40. I cannot believe we're already 40 episodes in, but today is a very special day because I have with me my childhood best friend, Elijah De La Garza. Elijah, how are you doing? Doing good today, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, man, just uh, today's special. I know you've been bugging me for about 40 weeks to be on the podcast, so we finally got you on here. <laughs> I told you I want to be the sidekick, and you won't let me. <laughs> so uh, why don't you uh, start off by introducing yourself and, and tell people a little bit about what you do as an entrepreneur. Okay, so I'm Elijah De La Garza. Um, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, I was raised by a father who, who was also an entrepreneur, which I find common, and um, he was a, in roofing. So I've uh, been doing roofing pretty much as my career choice since the very beginning. And um, I recently got into real estate investing. So, you know, you, you talk about you, you've been in roofing as an entrepreneur pretty much the entire time. But I think what kind of differentiates your, your story from most people's is that um, you, you became an entrepreneur pretty much right out of high school. And, and obviously we've been best friends since fifth grade. And so I was I was there alongside you during that journey. So. When we start the interview by, you know, going back to that time and what that was like and kind of the choices you made coming out of high school to, to become an entrepreneur. Okay. Well, um, you know, the story is as we graduated, you guys all went off to school and uh, I stayed behind for, I guess it was what a year you, you had one, one full year. And then I, I tried to get in and I ended up getting into UNT and, um, at the time, my philosophy on school was if you needed to become a, a doctor or a lawyer and that was your calling, then you know you required a degree of some sort. But for me, uh, since I was a child, honestly, a little guy, I can remember dreaming about all the things I wanted to do. They would say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up, little boy? And I would go, well, I want to own a restaurant and uh, I want to fly airplanes and um, I might want to be in the military, not too sure. I probably want to own some businesses, definitely want to build stuff. And um, really, I think building stuff is where I ended up settling. And that's why I like roofing and even real estate. It's, it's got to do with building. But um, back to the main idea there, um, out of high school, went into college. I, I decided, you know, it's not really for me at a, in very short order. I don't like authority, really. And also, you know, having to take tests to prove to someone that I'm smart enough to get a piece of paper to show someone else that I'm smart. Just, I don't know, in my psychology, that just doesn't work. I, I saw people um, go from, from the bootstraps and, and that impressed me more, you know? More people that I met that were really successful um, were just really good character people and did a lot of hard work. So, you know, I decided I'm gonna go in that direction. And, and I took off to uh, Florida with my dad to chase a hurricane. And um, before that, I mean, there's there's just so many pieces of the puzzle. I can give you too many details, but <laughs> skipping ahead, you know, <clears throat> to, to Florida, that was really the point at which 
you know, I was still a young man smoking a lot of weed, being kind of long haired hippie dude, just rolling along with pops to go to chase the storm and, and make some money, help people fix their houses after the hurricane. And, um, you know, that was a difficult decision, leaving behind my friends and my comfort zone and my family. But I saw an opportunity. I didn't know how I was going to partake in that opportunity and make it meaningful for me. But along the way, I started reading some books, um, you know, Randy Gerber with E-Myth and, and Robert Kiyosaki, the, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, all of those. I consumed those. I reread them. <laughs> I, I made notes in them. I was just like, oh, my God, this is speaking to my soul. This is what I believed the whole time. Like all these people going through this system being taught to be like sheep and just pay your taxes and save your money and you'll be successful in life and it's just bs i would see it and i'm like it's a lie everyone's in debt and i just i don't know i just i, I wanted to 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 blaze a trail and so you know i went down there having zero experience and um worked from dumping trailers to pops i want to be 50 percent and then that ended up uh, after hurricane wilma hit south florida we went down there and he gave me a shot because uh, he said, you know, son, you got to bring something to the table. You got to bring a license, or you got to bring men, or you have to bring money. You can't just say, give me 50%. What do you bring? And I said, I bring Elijah. <laughs> I'm bringing everything that I've got. I'm going to live and breathe this. I gave up on everything I have. And, you know, this is something I was just talking to one of my sales reps about last night is people ask me, you know, sometimes not all the time, I'm not as successful as you are, buddy, but sometimes people do ask me, you know, how do you, how do you do what you're doing? And I, I just ask them a simple question back. I say, oh, if you want what you want bad enough, are you willing to do what it takes to get it? Because that's what it really boils down to. There's going to be so many decision points where you go, this isn't comfortable for me. It doesn't feel good. I don't want to do this. It's not what my body is telling me is good for me that makes me feel good. But my mind is telling me I'm going to bear that uncomfort and leave and just do this. And I'm going to have some faith and I'm going to make the best of it and work hard. And that's what I did. I mean, I ended up getting the corporation set up with pops and, and you know, he said, okay, show me what you got. And, you know, my, my dad is, he's a character. We won't get into all that, but let's just say I, I did a lot of the, the effort. Okay. Um, I, I went in and, and he let me really take the reins and I appreciated him for that. Um, he was trying to hold me back actually more than anything. Just like, son, you're dreaming too big, and, you know, be realistic. And I'm like, Oh, don't squash my dreams, you know, <laughs> but <clears throat> I, I went down the street and found the furniture. We couldn't find an office. I, I walked into shopping centers and just started asking people randomly, like I need a where can I get an office? And, you know, I just, I made it happen. I got the phone lines hooked up. I ordered the yard signs and the business cards and found sales reps and created accounting systems. And I can't even begin to tell you, you know, that's the first step in my entrepreneurial career really was South Florida, where I really, you know, I started seeing 15, $20,000 checks come in as deposits on a job that I couldn't build for six months. All of a sudden I've got $800,000 in the bank and I have no money to pay out to anybody. I'm like looking for someone to give the money to like, wow, this is uncomfortable. I'm not used to this. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it was a weird feeling. Like I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? And, yep. and I wasn't, you know, but it was like, this was crazy. And then I started building jobs and, and people were just like, wow, you guys are awesome. And I just learned so much in South Florida with uh, Miami Dade, they, they require a lot from you and, and the phases of implementation of steps and systems that we had to come up with was what 
you know, it just it woke something up inside of me that my I think because I'm a little bit Asperger's, you know, I have a technical side to me that's very logical and I like being in a technical environment. You know, so when these guys were like, no, what you do in Texas is for roofing isn't even a roof. Let me show you. This is what we want you to do. We're going to require affidavits and foreign inspections and all this BS. I was like, I actually turned on by that. You know, like I want to learn in a place where it's the hardest possible to do what I'm doing. You know, I went and bought a motorcycle when I got successful, and they said, go buy a little 600. And I said, you know, I'm going to go buy a 1200. Probably a very stupid move. You know what I mean? Too big of a bike, too fast. But I wanted to go try it the hardest way first. So that's kind of how I got into construction and, um, you know, the, the roofing industry, insurance restoration in particular, is a very interesting industry where there's a lot of wheeling and dealing and you know you and i have a lot of experience together in that actually so right. you know what i'm talking about but um that that industry with as brutal as it is as difficult as it is teaches you some skills as an entrepreneur that i think very few other jobs that i've held became even close you know what i mean that set me up in right. my opinion for for doing what i'm doing now with you and titanium right so you you touched on a couple of things there that you know you talked about do whatever it takes to be successful and um, once you achieve a certain level uh, of success as an entrepreneur you do have people come up to you and they, they want to ask you like what was the secret sauce and mm-hmm. and you know you brought up do whatever it takes and that's really something that you know here at titanium we're we're very like that's always in the the forefront of like that's a core value that we have and uh, just last night, um, you know, we have a flip going on here in Fort Worth, Texas, and, and it, it has to be done uh, by today. And, and we had two team, two team members, um, you know, my, my partner here in, in Texas, Cassie, and, and our project manager, Mark. They stayed at the project last night working until 530 in the morning. And they were both up and back at the job site by 8 a.m because that's what it's going to take to get it done. And uh, it's that kind of dedication to do whatever it takes. I, I've had people on here that have told me stories about, you know, their first flip they moved into. They didn't even have enough money to turn on the electricity. So they lived in the house with no electricity while they were rehabbing it themselves. I've had yeah. people tell me they they literally bought the house to flip it and were living in it when it had no running water, no electricity, no windows, no front door. They were whatever it took. And now these people are multimillionaires. So, you know, for the people out there that want to know what it takes, it, it literally is, you know, do you have what it takes inside you to do what, to achieve those dreams that you have? So a uh, very good point. I just wanted to touch base on that. So going back to kind of your journey from, you know, you went down to Florida. Let's fast forward through all of your journeys. I know you, you ended up going to back to Texas, then you went to Denver, and then you went to Phoenix, and then back to DFW. Is that kind of a good chronological order there where, like, your roofing <laughs> experience kind of transitioned? It did. You're, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I think there was another Texas in there at some point, but right. needless to say, I never want to move again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now you're living in paradise. So, yeah. uh, so with, you know, getting back to kind of our story, um, I think it was late 2010. Was it 2010 or 2011 when you called me for exact claims? Yeah, it was like 2011. 
So 2011, um, I was in a transition um, in my career and, and Elijah called me one day and he said, hey, I've got this business, you know, we're a consulting firm for general contractors, we're doing their insurance supplements on their insurance claims and I want you to run the business. And he said, I'm flying to Texas, I'll be there next week, love to sit down with you and, and show you what we're about. And uh, I, I met him at his parents' old house and uh, he showed me the, the back office system and what he was working on. And I'll be honest with you guys, I looked at it and I had zero freaking clue what he was showing me, but I just knew it looked cool and I had an opportunity to work with my best friend from my childhood. And so <laughs> I had no idea what I was gonna be able to do with the business, but I also knew that internally I, I would do whatever it takes. So uh, I took the position, I worked for Elijah for, for quite a while, and um, you know we, we really got a good experience of finally working together. And, and now looking back at it, I think both Elijah and I realized it wasn't in the right industry or the right business. It was not gonna be something that was sustainable to achieve our goals. Um, it was a great idea, but it was, there was nothing proprietary to it and, and people could rip us off. And basically that's what happened. And um, so we ended up splitting ways, but that was a great opportunity for me and Elijah to work together and, and kind of, I guess, pseudo become partners in a, in a business and, and get a feel for how each other works. Um, towards the end of exact claims, Elijah moved to Hawaii. And so Elijah, why don't you talk about your, your experience with going out to Hawaii and, and starting the roofing out in Hawaii? Sure. Um, so with the whole exact claims thing, I had a, a partner there, Jeff, and um, he ended up teaming up with one of our clients at exact claims who was officing in the same building as us. And, and they decided they wanted to chase the hellstorm. And, and RJ, I know you remember this. We, we were watching news and weather patterns all the time looking for where the damage was so we could call the contractors and try and, and court them. Right. So we saw Hawaii happen and we were like, calling and the people were telling us buzz off there's no hell in hawaii and it was very discouraging and then a year later these these you know numb nuts go over there and they're like we're gonna go to hawaii and i'm just shaking my head like and then they don't even ask me to go and i'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself like you know you're in here telling me i'm the wizard and no one can get the better money it knows the systems and you built databases and all this and then they decide they're gonna go over to a new place together and uh and, and just didn't even invite me. It was kind of hurtful, to be honest with you. But I, I'm a I'm not a prideful guy. I don't have very much ego. I think that 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 kills a man. So um, I, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna kind of sit back here and, and do my thing. I put a lot of love into Exact Claim, so I'm gonna keep doing that. And then uh, I got this random call from Jeff, who who had become a, a friend of mine at that time, uh, not just an investor or partner, you know, but. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like him and, and that's just because he's a straight up guy. But, you know, he, he called me crying and, and I'm like, you're, you're usually like a dick. So something's not. Oh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you can say whatever you want. It's a podcast. <laughs> OK, very good, because I'm, I'm trying to hold back on the expletives. But anyways, you know, it, they, they call him that. I just think he's straight up and I, I appreciate that. But, you know, this guy who I see in full control of his emotional faculties at all times and utilizes them to the fullest extent to get what he wants out of life. And I'm so impressed by that. And then he calls me and he's crying. And I'm like, what in the world is going on, buddy? What's what's happening? And he just goes to tell me this story about what's been happening. 
and and they're all the sales reps are fixing to leave and he spent like a quarter of a million dollars getting down there and this whole thing and you know the honest to god first thought that came to my head was well you deserved it you know like you didn't invite me down there this is something you could have avoided and now you're going to call me to go rescue you you know what i mean like eh, i'm not interested right um but that's pride again you know and and i'm not that kind of person i i, I know that all humans have those emotions but I, I put it down and i'm like okay so i decide i'm going to go down there and, and they buy me a ticket at this point i'm so broke at, at this time in, in my life it was crazy i mean it was not a good time so i'm like it seems like it could be a new opportunity and it'll breathe some life into my exact claims vision. I want to build this program and blah, blah, blah. I had some highfalutin dreams that were not realistic. Um, so needless to say, I ended up down here not knowing what I was doing again in my life. I've had a re repetitive way of doing this now where I go into a situation from the first one with my dad, the story that I told earlier to the Phoenix, Arizona with ABF and Denver and every place I can tell you, I started out with zero. And I, I was behind the eight ball and I was hurting and there was something inside of me that came alive, like a passion and just a, no, I'm not going to allow this to get me down. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this dream being at the worst place possible. It's like, that was rock bottom. So I said, okay, let's build a foundation. You know? So I went out to Hawaii, like, here we go again. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get paid. I was literally depending on someone to buy me lunch every day. Uh, and, and feed me dinner. I had no money. I'm, I'm trying to scrounge together funds to keep my uh, rental uh, unit in, in Texas where I had all my sto my storage unit where all my possessions were at, just keep it from getting repossessed so that my wife didn't murder me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> my life was horrific at this time. I'm sleeping on the air mattress in a room. That's it. There's no other accommodations. You got a, a toilet and here's your breakfast. Now let's go out and work and no paycheck for a good four months probably um and not knowing what it was going to be how it was going to turn out and i just got up every day with a good attitude and i just looked at myself in the mirror and i said you are this this and this and this is what you're going to do today and you better get your big boy pants on and go do it and and i did and so in short order we put together systems i created contracts i went back to existing customers that had monies held up and wouldn't release them because these guys didn't know what to say and were confused on the process and I individually touched base with them, met with them at their houses, collected checks, put it in the bank, alleviated Jeff's stresses and uh, we, we brought crews in from the mainland. I, I hired uh, the guys, I, I brokered the deal for the license with Beachside Roofing is the largest roofing contractor in the state of Hawaii. Um, they had all kinds of things going wrong. No license number, no license numbers on the yard sign or any of the contracts. They don't have one. They're selling under a different name than they're supposed to. I mean, it was just like you guys are just skirting on going to jail almost here. You know what I mean? Like I got to really apply some love and there's no money. And it's just like, why am I coming here to do this again? And everyone's <laughs> fighting and they're arguing and there's guys coming over to beat Jeff up. And I'm like talking them down in the living room. Like, no, he's a good guy. This is the story. And they're like, we don't give a fuck. We want our money. And I'm just like, Oh my God. I mean, it's like, that vinegar even coming over getting aggressive i was like this is the most gentle giant of all time and this dude's pissed like this is not right and you know i just did chin up and rolled with the punches man and just one thing at a time and before long uh we were being featured on the news we had banners in people's front yards we, we turned the team around hired local guys uh set up a telemarketing division and uh, we ended up doing over 600 roofs in the windward side of oahu 
uh, within about a 12 to 18 month time frame uh, for a little bit over $8 million in gross revenue collected, which um, I did the numbers on it because I keep statistics on this thing. Uh, you know, being a baseball fanatic, I, I like stats a lot. So um, my database is like my way of seeing my percentage of, you know, my, my, my home runs and RBIs, if you will, you know. So I was back in there like, what did Elijah bring to the table on I, I went back and looked, and I collected about 40% of uh, the dollar values at the end of the day. So it was well over $3 million um, that I personally grabbed from people's hands. You know what I mean? So nice. um, it was it was a killer story, man, and it, it was interesting how that went down. I ended up getting paid uh, $3,500 bucks a week, uh, getting a nice vehicle and living in Lonnie Kai, one of the most exclusive enclaves in the world. Um, it's a It was an interesting transition within six months to go from zero to a hundred miles an hour again. And then, and then that's when the entrepreneur itch came back, right? And eventually you started your own roofing company, Roofing Solutions of Hawaii, correct? Well, um, and I won't get into the deep details, but that's a long story and there's uh, some other concerns there. But um, the the short story is that Beachside is the number one by far in Hawaii. They they do you know between thirty five to fifty million dollars a year in, in revenue, and their closest competitor is half that. You know, so they're the big dogs, and um, they really like me. I really like them. They I just had lunch with the owners like like three weeks ago. They're they're some close personal friends of mine. I love them, um, and, and so they wanted me to be a part of it, and we had this deal going on, but. You know, they're a big corporation and, and Elijah, once again, I kind of, I don't fit into the mold and I'm not going to do reporting every week for you and all this different stuff. Like that's not Elijah's role. You know, there's a way of putting it that I like to use this term. You can't make a, a plow horse out of a racehorse, um, right. you know, and, and that's what they're trying to do. So I just said, hey, guys, look, I got to I got to figure something else out. And and it had kind of worked its way out. The, the sales had stopped coming in and I had wrapped up all the problems and cleaned all this shit up and. We were just getting to the end of it, and then um, I ended up teaming up with uh, a local contractor, um, uh, Jeffrey, my, my, my new partner, through some, some uh, interesting circumstances involving all kinds of craziness uh, that I, I can't get into again. Maybe, maybe sometime in the future we'll have an episode where I'll tell <laughs> that story, because honestly, the last person I told it to was like, dude, you could write a movie about your life. Like this is the most interesting stuff that this happened to you. Like just the stuff that's happened to me in the last two days. Oh my God. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, so needless to say, I just decided I got to go do this on my own. I'm tired of being beholden. I've always had an insecurity in business. If I'm going to be real and, and I'll be you know, vulnerable here and say that I always felt like I needed someone next to me to back me up and be that security blanket to make me feel comfort. Like if everything's not going good, I have someone that, you know, is there my dad or, or an RJ or somebody is with me, you know, in the fight in the trench. I don't like doing it alone. It's not fun, but um, I just decided, you know, this time I'm not doing that anymore. I'm tired of the way that the interactions go. I want to see what I'm really made of. And so I took off and uh, I found Jeffrey. He was willing to, uh, let me run his company. So it's not my business technically right now that I'm running, but you know, we are, we are, um, you know, having good relations. He, he's a good owner and I'm a good manager. Let's put it to you that way. You know, I, I do my job and I control the day to day operations and get to play and have fun and advertise how I want and hire who I want and do what kinds of jobs I want. So, um, we in short order, uh, me and a good friend of mine, Kainoa Kaleka, he's a local Hawaiian guy who, 
um, I became good friends with, uh, Dreadlocks in the works, coolest dude around, I mean, cooler than a fan. You couldn't find a better dude to go drink with and, and talk to, and he'd take the shirt off his back for you, you know? And he was just like, I don't want to learn. So me and him just got together and said, let's do it. We had a little white man. Uh, I was broke again. The the thing had come to an end, and here we go, starting the cycle <laughs> up again. You know, we're going to start from nothing. So um, we went and found a job and, and made some decent money on it and, and started rolling it. And before long, we were doing apartment complexes, and uh, we were doing churches and hospitals and new construction Dunkin' Donuts and big school projects. I mean, the last Firestone job, I mean, just getting certified from Firestone in my life is something I've longed for in my career since I was like 21 years old. And, you know, that's 12 years in the making. And to finally say I'm a Firestone certified, GAF certified, everything certified, you can have the biggest manufacturers and I got a piece of paper that says I can offer you an NDL warranty. That, that's a, that was hard, man, to get that. So, um, you know, putting on a, a, a roof the size of six football fields. You know what I'm saying? That was a, right. that was that was like okay, I'm getting major. But what it did to me is is it got me into a different mindset. It's kind of like, um, and I'll, I'll wrap up here because I'm sure we need to move on. But uh, you know, it's like when you have a wife and you're living in a modest home, and then you move up to a big home, and then something happens, and you try to go back. That that's never going to happen. That doesn't work. You know what I mean? Right. Once you once you go in one direction. So I've kind of, you know, tasted blood and, and, and seen what can happen on these bigger, better projects. So now my goal is to only do six-figure deals. And I mean six-figure in profit, not six-figure in revenue. You know, I want to net over $100,000 minimum on every deal I touch, or I don't want to spend my time on it because I've determined that that's how valuable my time is when I calculate it. You know what I mean? So here's, here's where we are in Hawaii. Then you came along um, with this this titanium thing and you know I'll, I'll let you take it from there yeah so you know this entire time elijah's going through all of this you know we we're talking on a weekly basis you know we're, we're both busy but we were we were trying to stay in communication as best we could and he's telling me all these stories and i mean i i have to admit you're right you should write a book or or have a movie made about your life at some point in time i'm sure it's only going to get better as we get older um but the whole time you know elijah's trying to convince me that i need to come to hawaii and and work in his roofing business and in the meantime i'm starting up titanium investments and you know i'm i'm telling elijah i'm like dude i i can't do that i mean i love you but I'm, I'm crushing it over here, man. I'm, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my entire life. And I'm just getting started. Like, I, I think I'm onto something. And so over the course of time, uh, you know, Elijah starts telling me, he's like, man, you know, I know this guy that, you know, he bought some land and built multiple properties and then subdivided it and sold it. And he made a couple million dollars and, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to do investing here in Hawaii. And so, uh, you know, me being who I am, anybody that knows me or done business with me, you know, I, I act very quickly and it, it, it did not take a whole lot of convincing from Elijah. So, uh, we, we got a local realtor to give us MLS access, give us a portal so we can start finding properties. We found one that was a pretty decent deal. We put it under contract and we deposited earnest money and within a couple of days next thing i know the sellers have backed out of the contract they've sent our, our earnest money back and 
Well, they found out that the owner of Titanium Investments is from the mainland, and he lives in Texas, and they didn't want to sell the property to someone that lived in Texas. And uh, very quickly, we learned that investing in Hawaii is a lot different than what I've experienced here in uh, in Texas and in other markets. So uh, we kind of had to put some more thought into it instead of acting quickly, which is definitely not something that fits mine and Elijah's personalities. Uh, but we uh, we eventually created Titanium Investments of Hawaii. Um, I have to say that, um, you know, this specific entity is is quite possibly one of the most proud things that I have done in, in my career so far um, because it's for the first time ever it's something that uh, has taught me how to be less hands-on and and I have to trust Elijah as as being the person that is local and and he goes and he sees the properties I, I cannot be a control freak like I am here in Texas and uh, you know we've had great success so far um there's not a a, a ton of success so far just because we haven't had that many properties um but we're we're quickly ramping up and it's something that i'm very proud of so elijah what i want you to talk about in your experience with you know creating titanium investments of hawaii is kind of what are your early feelings um you know i, I guess we're approaching probably about our first year like our first anniversary is coming up pretty quick for this business. Um, kind of what is your your feelings about becoming a real estate investor and, and what kind of, how has that changed your mindset as an entrepreneur? Well, that's a fantastic question. Um, you know, I my people here at Rookin Solutions, I've built a little organization and, and what I hear from each of them at least three times a week is, well, if you paid as much attention to roofing as you did real estate, then blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hearing it. And, and uh, luckily here, because of who I am, I'm, I'm always quick to put systems in place and, and to really try to develop what I call a turnkey system. And, and that means, you know, it's not dependent upon the operator to be there involved in every minute action all day long. Um, and, and you have some freedom. So, you know, like right now, it's 12.40 in the afternoon, my time, and there's people on roofs at multiple jobs, and there's calls coming in and salesmen uh, giving inspections and writing estimates and, and materials being delivered and dumpsters being delivered and picked up and, and bills being paid and all kinds of things, and I'm, I'm not being bothered by that, you know? So I'm available to them as they need me, but um, I essentially, the point I'm trying to get to is that um, just naturally something that I didn't expect uh, just because of the Midas mindset where what I want what I do to turn to gold you know what I mean it's like I naturally gravitate without even thought thought about it like to the thing that is going to produce the most gold for me you know what I'm saying and I'm looking at this and I'm going okay I, I want six-figure deals and you know, one of the greatest struggles I have in, in business and for every business is, is sales and maintaining that, that sales. You don't want to you don't want to have a bell shaped curve sell cycle where you hit peaks and then you go through lows. You want to hit like a flat line plateau where it's just like something predictable and dependable over the long term. You know what I mean? Um, and, and it's a struggle because it does. It is like a bell shaped curve, unfortunately, you know, especially here in Hawaii. So um, 
I, I don't like that part of it. I'm not good at, I'm a good salesman, but that's not what I want to be doing. So I've never been you know, strong at hiring sales guys and developing that side of the business. I can do it at the at a storm or something because of the passion, but you know I'm looking at real estate and I'm going. I don't have to hire all these salesmen and have them running around and dealing with all these customers and all these headaches and and these punch lists and these multiple just like wow stop look at all the trouble I go through on this column to the left column A to get this dividend at the bottom and then look at all the stuff I do over here for column B not that much. No, no headaches really almost at all. I mean, I still have to go and build, but I'm my own customer um, essentially because it's my property and I'm the contractor. So I can't piss myself off too bad. You know what I mean? It's like, well, Elijah, uh, you, you screwed up. The guys didn't show up today. And so well, I that's still, not true. You you can piss off your, your partner. Well, I, I can. And I and I honestly do get upset at myself and, and I maintain a high level of expectations for myself. I never satisfy myself. I'm always disappointed. Now, I congratulate myself when necessary, but you know, I'm looking to always improve. And you know, I look at it as if I'm the customer and I sit there and I go, okay, I got RJ, he's got expectations, we've got investors, they've got expectations. There's people on the job that need to get their paycheck on Friday, they've got expectations. When you break it down, there's a lot of people depending on us to do this. So I have to remind myself to, to stay focused. But back to the point, um, you know, the the business of real estate is is a dream of mine that I've had for a long time. I've never even bought a home. I've never been a homeowner yet, uh, not even a first-time buyer. And I'm 33 years old with five children, and I've lived in a lot of gorgeous homes um, with no credit. You know what I mean? Uh, just cash. Cash is king for Elijah. So um, I'm in the process of kind of getting my credit back from the 2008-2007 uh, crash there. And, um, and getting back on top in, the, in that regard. Uh, but, you know, I want to build cash reserves and I don't see anything available to me that has more flexibility or it allows me the, the freedom to be my own boss like, like real estate does and, and to do it with my best friend and then in Hawaii and, uh, and to build systems and, and have an opportunity to really get efficient and make a load of money and do good for people, help them out of bad situations. I mean, I just see this as really where, where I'm going. I mean, it, it's, it's won me over 100%. I, I want to be a real estate investor. I'd like to take it to a whole other level because that's how my brain goes. I'd like to be a land developer. I want to go buy land and make a city. I want to plan the streets and the street signs and, and the landscaping. You know what I mean? That's where that's, that's, I got that vision going. But as of right now in Hawaii with what we're doing, it's about organic growth and, and building a strong foundation. So that's kind of where we're at, and uh, I'm stoked on life. I I don't care what's going on. This is this is providing energy to me as much energy as I'm giving it every day. You know what I mean? It's inspiring me to want to go. And I, you know, for you, I I think you have a very unique perspective on real estate investing because of the market that you're in. Um, it's it's a very it, the numbers there are almost like cartoonish they're so skewed compared to other markets um for example you know we we've bought a couple of rental properties for a hundred and sixty thousand we're going to put ten thousand in rehab and they're going to rent for three thousand plus dollars um this that's not common you know you, you don't see that in other markets um 
even some of the flips, you know, here in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, I see people buying at 80% of the ARV minus repairs. You know, there in Hawaii, we're buying at 65 to 60% of ARV minus repairs. So, you know, we're, we're, I'm blessed that all of this happened. And I guess that's kind of the moral of this story is, you know, uh, Elijah's been all over the world and, and it just, it, the right timing, the right maturity for both of us as entrepreneurs and as businessmen to, to come together and, and we capitalize on an opportunity to create something special in Hawaii. And, uh, I, I look forward you know, this is episode 40. So maybe in, you know, episode 100, we'll have you back on and talk about what we've done in Hawaii since then. Uh, but, but another thing that I, I guess, you know, th there's always, there, you, you always try to figure out when's the best time to announce something, but, um, someone from our past, uh, Pete Carpenter, who has lived in Anchorage, Alaska, I think since eighth grade, he, he left, uh, where we went to school. And but somehow we've all stayed in contact with them, and uh, we we have actually um, created a new titanium investments, and that's going to be of Alaska. And uh, you know, I, I I figured why not announce that with having Elijah on here? So it's going to be me, Elijah, and Pete, um, as well as the rest of everybody else with titanium investments. But um, that's going to be a new venture for us, and uh, it looks like. There's a, a lot of opportunity. Pete's been a, a realtor up there for quite some time. He's done his own fix and flips and some rentals up there. And uh, so I, I think, outside of my knowledge, I don't know anybody else, but I think we're going to be very one of the very few people that can say we both invest in Hawaii and Alaska. So that's yeah. something very yeah, that's something very exciting that uh, that we're going to be able to do. Um, my my last question for you, Elijah, is is I always I always want to ask people this, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this before, so I hope you have a good answer, because if not, I'm going to give you shit about it forever. <laughs> uh, uh, where do you want to be as a real estate investor, so with Titanium, in the next five years? Oh, man, what a loaded question. Do we have another 30 minutes? <laughs> um, uh, no, technically, you have like two minutes, because you have to go make us money by going and look at a property. That is true. I do have to leave. Okay, so uh, two-minute elevator pitch. Where is Titanium going? Um, in short order, we're systematizing the business to have a headquarters based out of Dallas-Fort Worth with uh, far-reaching arms all the way from Hawaii to Alaska, Arizona, and uh, hopefully uh, an additional at least 10 markets within the next five years, all under control and, and bringing in consistent revenues with full-on reporting. Um, that's something that I'm going to make a personal vision of mine to assist you in that way so that uh, we can get some 100,000 foot level views. I'd like to be seeing us developing land, buying 40 acres and, and subdividing it and uh, getting into that mix, pre-selling homes um, before they're even built, just making wise uh, investments like that into, into nice locations. I'd like to see us buying apartment complexes. Um, I'd like to see at minimum 100 deep uh, rental portfolio here in Hawaii uh, at a minimum uh, and, and more than that elsewhere. Um, you know, I would like to see the wholesale marketing um, and, and cash buyers list and investor list here in, in Hawaii go up and uh, really dominate both in Hawaii and Alaska being the only guys that are there with such an aggressive vision with that warrior mentality go and really become the 
go-to buyer uh, and, and be well-known on those places for doing fantastic business, um, but essentially owning those markets. Uh, and then also to move into DFW and help you push it there and, and dominate DFW, even though that's a heck of a bigger market. We, we can really do some damage if we put some effort into it. So um, I would just say off the top of my mind, those things right there alone are some pretty aggressive goals that will require a, a lot of work. But, you know, I'd like to be pumping out at minimum a wholesale project a week per uh, per location. I think that's a, a baseline that is easily attainable. And we should we don't accomplish that where we're sucking at life. Um, you know, so so 52 wholesales a year per branch. Um, we need to be also taken down at a minimum one rehab per month completed and sold. So you got that overlap from you know, your, your initial offer to acceptance and closing times and, and rehab and then the back end selling it and all that. But so, so if you if you stage it right and you're doing your things proper and you're paying attention to that timing, um, we can keep it going where we just got one deal to go to after another. And then I just like to, to make that tandem, you know, you set up a, a, that line is going, now you bust over, you set a line right up next to it, doing the same thing with the new rehab crew and a new, you know, uh, manager doing your PM. And, and now we've got two deals a month going on and then three deals a month going on so that we can extrapolate it and, and just keep it going. But, you know, our goal is to own a, a over 1% of the United States real estate market. Isn't it, RJ? I mean, that's a, that's a baseline. And it, that is one of my goals. Um, I, I, I said it to one person and, and they, they actually ran some numbers on it. I think it's like $1.5 trillion or something. And, uh, I just joked with him. I said, look, at the end of the day, the thought came to me one day when I said, I want to actually be the 1%. And that means actually owning 1% of the United States. And I know it's it's it almost is an unachievable goal. But personally, for me, that's how I motivate myself is by setting high goals. I don't like setting achievable goals um, that I can easily obtain and just make myself feel better. Uh, I stay motivated by setting very high goals and always striving to achieve that. And along the way, what you realize is, is everybody kind of lets you know how well you're doing. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's where you kind of stop and you look back and you go, well, we're not at the 1% yet, but damn, we're doing pretty damn good for ourselves. And so, yeah, we are. And, and that's how I kind of motivate myself. So, all right, buddy. I got to wrap this up. I know you got to go uh, go check on a project, and uh, and hopefully uh, it turns out to be a beautiful one, and uh, we make a lot of money with it. But I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, to all the listeners, I appreciate uh, you letting me uh, talk to my best friend and and listen to us uh, shoot the the BS on on our podcast today. <laughs> Thank you for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys are listening to the best real estate podcast known to man <laughs> all right buddy we'll talk to you later oh, bro. thanks so much for listening to the titanium vault with your host rj bates the third for more info and to stay up to date visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash the titanium vault if you enjoyed the episode please rate and review and we'll catch you next time on the titanium vault <laughs>